Okay, let's see. I haven't heard this song in a very long time. <laughs> this is very school of rock for me. I do it. I definitely go through the the best of Rush like once a year. Okay, because it just feels like you need to pay tribute. Okay, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean. Yeah. You, what is it when you give money to the church? Tithe. tithe. Yeah, yeah, that's what tithe. it is. <laughs> You have to give them 10 minutes of your life <laughs> That's fine. once a month. It's fine with me. I got, I, got, I got tons of time, as long as they don't ask for money. Right. <laughs> Actually, listen to this. This was the first song I ever listened to um, when I graduated from high school. Nice. I remember like driving home my Volvo oh, man, and like, putting this on, just getting in. High school rush hits different. I know. Yeah. You're kind of a loser in high school, no matter how cool you are. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Rush is the coolest band ever, <laughs> but also kind of lame. I know. Drums sound great. I know. How are they a trio? I don't know. <laughs> That's my favorite part. No, yeah. that part. This is like him playing uh, Getty Lee, the bass player. This is like him playing the pedals with his feet the synth of his feet oh really yeah he's like, he like does that thing oh. this part's cool oh yeah I love this part <laughs> you know how hard it is to sing in this register while you play the bass dude <laughs> you know what I mean? have you ever tried it's like imagine like playing the lowest note on the piano and some of the highest. Yeah. And just like, oh, that brain separation is crazy. That is funny to think about. I can't wait to talk about these synths with you. Oh, yeah, it's coming up. I really like a groove that where, like, there's a lot of space, but the hi-hat's going the whole time. Right. It, like, carries the groove a little bit. This in seven. Classic. Is seven just like the prog rock time definitely, signature? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Oh shit. What was I think? I, I learned something cool the other day about like um dotted dotted whole notes mm. being a count of six. Yeah, you know how we're, yeah, yeah. we're always saying, oh, it's a bar of six? Mm. We should just be saying it's a dotted whole dotted note. Dotted whole note. This is what people tune into this podcast I know. for. Ooh, good dream theater yeah. part. Yeah, dream, <laughs> dream theater loves Rush. I know, I I know. So many people love Rush. I would say that that's got to be dream theater's biggest influence. No, it might be. Definitely on uh, the band, but also like the singer. It just sounds like a Getty. That Lee is actually clone. a good point. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, up the octave. <sighs> it's fucking hard to be in a trio. Yeah. Every, everything matters. Uh, every vote matters because yeah. it's three people. Yeah, and it's just like, and you can't like hide. Oh, can't drums. Hide. Let's go. Do you ever watch Freaks and Geeks? No, no. Oh, you gotta you gotta check it out. But there's a stoner kid in the high school and he's like got like a 30-piece drum set. Like Neil uh, Kirk, of course. but it's like all shitty stuff. Two uh bass yeah, drums. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Did you ever have like a kid like that? It was Some like, kid brought in two bass drums. I was like, what are we doing, man? <laughs> I'm like the dude from Pantera. I know, right? Vinny? Yeah, I think that is Vinny, yeah. Yeah, like this groove goes this so hard, hard though, yeah. Where do you stand on like sci-fi fantasy elements? Are huge, you a huge fantasy guy? Not sci-fi. Kind of into sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. I like a good space movie. Yeah, I know you're a big interstellar fan. Yeah, like love that. Yeah. 
But you do like fantasy stuff. But I'm not right. like a big alien guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like into alien or like Star you know. Wars. You like Star Wars? Star Wars wasn't was too violent. Star Wars for, it wasn't as violent enough. Yeah. And plus, you know, I, I got my name is Luke, so like. Oh yeah. A lot of, of a lot of dads ruined that. For yeah. Me. Yeah. Exactly. Now it's just kids being like Luke Combs. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to hear him cover Tom Sawyer by Rash. Welcome to Listen to This, a podcast in which we explore songs we like, we research what they mean, how they're recorded, why they were written, why we like them, and why you should listen to this. Do you remember um, the first time you ever heard Rush? No. <laughs> no. Me either. I, although I think my bass teacher showed them to me and was right. like, check out this bass player, Getty Lee. Right. Because he was like a huge Rush fan. Right. But I don't remember the first song I ever heard by them. It was probably this, right? Or maybe it was uh, Working Man. Right. Yeah. I don't remember the first time I heard this song or even heard Rush in general. But I remember when I was really into Ultimate Guitar nice. forums. Nice. And I would... <laughs> The forums. The forums. Yeah. I loved going on the forums. Yeah. Playing I, solitaire, going on the forums. I was into the gear sluts. Oh, yeah, of course, of back course. In, back in the day. But I remember that people would talk about, you know, the guitar player, Alex Lifeson. Yeah, yeah. A lot. And, that, and so I knew who he was, and I knew that he played in Rush, but I never really gave, I never really listened to them or gave them a chance until later when I was like, when we were both working at School of Rock, for a short period of our life <laughs> that we won't get back. <laughs> that the kids had wanted to learn this song and kids yeah. needed to learn this song. And that's when I really dove into like, wow, like there is something here. Oh yeah. That's fucking cool. Well, it's cool to like this era of music is really cool because it's like called like progressive rock. Right. Which like I don't know why that it's kind of a dumb name when you think about it. Right. But it's like rock music that is just weird. Right. And it's like Rush is interesting because the song's like pretty heavy, mm-hmm. but at no point does it feel like metal. Right, right. Yeah, you're right. It, you're but right. it's but it still like has metal ish elements. Right, in, right. Like the fact that it's like hard to play. Right, right. And, like it kind of fucking rocks. Yeah. But it's just like more weird. Yeah. Today we're talking about Tom Sawyer by Rush. Right. Rush sometimes referred to as the only band that matters, <laughs> and also the Holy Triumvirate. Which there I it love is. That. I love that yeah, Holy Triumvirate. Wow. Because they're a power trio. That's Roman. That's yeah, that's, yeah. that's Rome, right? Yeah, the Triumvirate. It, like I think it's Julius Caesar, Mark Antony, who eventually married J Lo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nobody ever talks about how that dude has the same name. And know. then the third guy, maybe Augustus. I don't really know. One of the, I know there's the three though. Yeah. I don't fuck with Rome. I fuck with Rush though. <laughs> Uh, this song was released in June of 1981 off their brilliant album entitled Moving Pictures. It's a really good album. Nice. This became one of the group's best-known songs and is kind of a staple on both classic rock radio and their legendary live shows. Definitely. So they played uh, had played the song at every concert of theirs since You kind of have to. Yeah, If yeah. you're going to pay $150, $500 to sit up front yeah. and they don't play this song, you're going to feel some type that, of way. That's why I feel it's crazy when some bands like play whatever they want and get away with it. Like Radiohead doesn't it play any of their hits sometimes and everyone's still like, oh, oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, you're right. Like some bands can just get away with playing whatever they want and not playing like the classics. I know. This one is so but, big though. Yeah, I would it's be, too big. I would be pissed. This song's so good. Yeah. Dude. Um, it was written by the band along with Pi Dubois. <laughs> Pi spelled P-Y-E Dubois. Is that the best fucking name we've had so far? <laughs> that is the best name. Yeah. <laughs> and was produced by the band alongside Terry Brown. Also a great name. Yeah, Terry, Terry Brown's a good name. The song was recorded at, you'll love the name of the studio, Le Studio. 
in Morin Heights, Quebec. So Rush Canadian band. I wonder if it was their studio because I know they had Pro- a studio. Probably, probably. I yeah, know they had one because they have the SSL that this was recorded on, right? In, um, is that at Tree Sound? Oh, I'm not sure. I think they do. Really, I that's that, the claim. Yeah, and oh, I think. Wow. Well, I think it's also like the one that they recorded like a lot of Outcast records on. That's sick. Which I, I mean, it, I know it's an old SSL. Yeah, I know it belonged to Rush, but I don't remember. I wonder if it's the same one. Isn't that funny? That's like crazy. a piece of gear could be used on all these like classic things. I know. It makes you wonder. Like, I wish uh, Rush and Outcast would have made some music together. And it's funny that people think that that because that happened, it will automatically make their shit. <laughs> no, that's good. not how it works. You know what I mean. <laughs> But uh, dude, Jimmy Hendrix recorded on this on console. Sk- yeah, which probably, probably like <laughs> kept the real one and made a duplicate. Right, I don't trust right? anybody like they do with for that cars. shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tom Sawyer came to fruition during a summer rehearsal vacation. Interesting. Yeah, so interesting idea. I really like doing stuff like that yeah, when I was yeah. in bands. Like, let's go to this the this cabin. Like, ca- yeah, some version of that. It was always like somebody's parents' house, though. <laughs> it was like, no, nobody has a cabin. Yeah, Tom's mom Tom's, has a lake house. Yeah, and she's at it. she'll like only be there like two nights. <laughs> with her- <laughs> you guys are being too loud. <laughs> <laughs> so they spent it in a farm just outside their home in Toronto. Sick. Um, drummer Neil Pert, one of the Sick, routinely yeah. referred to as like the greatest drummer of all time, of um, was presented with a poem by Pai Dubois titled Louis the Lawyer. The band modified it, expanded it, and then set it to music. According to Pert, Tom Sawyer's lyrics, quote, were kind of a portrait of a modern-day rebel, a free-spirited individualist striding through the world, wide-eyed and purposeful. Wow. Interesting. It just makes me, reading that makes me sad that there are not, like, hit songs, like... I know. That have, like, are even about anything that cool. What year is this again? Um, Was it 81? 81. Wow, man. Yeah. So cool. Interesting, interesting era for music too. Yeah. I feel like the eighties like was probably seems like a really great time for making money as a musician yeah. and like music technology music kind of tech, exploding. Yeah. Like, it, it was that the most explosive period? Probably for technology. Probably because like, in the nineties we had figured it out. We figured it out, in the 90s, and then computers yeah. came around, which sort of. And that was like late 90s, early 2000s yeah. that that really started happening. Which does like expand it a lot, but it doesn't feel the same as like no. all this money going into music tech companies. Yeah. Because like the 80s is a lot of like synths and the like the Lindrum. Yeah. That, that's that, the that classic. Stuff. Yeah. It's like the classic. All, the, all the drum machine stuff yeah. in the 80s. So like you turn on like, uh, what, what was going on recording wise? Just tape, but there were still like a lot of. No, well, there was actually like digital tape machines that were had come out. You had digital tape. Yeah. You know, oh, which, that's cool. Yeah. And so, like, that was around. Um, but it more so, it was more so like music creation technologies were big. Like you said, the synthesizers, the drum yeah. machines, like that aspect of like the music creation was coming out. Solid state amps were becoming more popular, which yeah. is why you got sometimes really cheesy. AD guitar sounds because yeah. they're you know solid state amps, which sounds good to me now. I mean, yeah. honestly, like whenever well, it kind of became the sound. Yeah, whenever a sound is like fresh, right? It's like oh, this is nice. Like whatever it is, right? Oh, let's talk about these synths. Yeah, the infamous growling synth in this song comes from the bassist and lead singer Getty Lee experimenting with a polyphonic analog subtractive synthesizer Interesting. called the Oberheim OBX. Oh, cool. So you know about well, this I one? know the Oberheim <laughs> because I see plugins yeah, yeah. with Oberheim nice, on nice. it. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it is nowadays. Yeah. yeah, we gotta pull one of those up I and, know. And, f- and fuck with it. Um, it sounds great, dude. Like, I think uh, bass players, sometimes, sometimes I think like 
instrumentalists are better on other instruments because of the instrument that that's their primary instrument. Like a great example is like, I do think like bass players make great other instruments because they they attack it differently. Another cool one is like pianists sometimes write better bass lines than bassists. Right. So things like that. So I think like he really is great at some of these deep, weird synth parts. Guitar players cannot do any other instrument <laughs> yeah, well. They can barely play guitar. <laughs> they can dude. play by guitar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to talk like a little bit about this guitar player, but yeah. I'll save it for a minute because it's like I want to talk about why he's good. And it's hard to be the single guitar yeah, player. Yeah, okay, let's just, get, it, yeah, let's just get into it now. How the fuck do you play a solo without really any chordal accompaniment? It's incredibly difficult. Yeah. When you think about Notable bands that just have like the one guitar player. Obviously, this band. You yeah. have Incubus is another good example. But they have a DJ. They do have a DJ, right? So they've got something else going mm-hmm. on. Um, Van Halen, yeah, right. It's like you're everything harmonically is coming from the guitar, yeah. But in Rush, I think what helps. Alex Lifeson out is those synthesizers because they're polyphonic yeah. are playing chords as well. Oh, so cool. he can kind of rip, and then the synth is there, and they're kind of big, thick, like powerful yeah. synths that kind of fill in the gap. You know, we're like in the case of like Van Halen. Van Halen was just ripping so it, it, you didn't even think about what was going on. Yeah, yeah. Because he just kind of brutalizes it. Just you brutalizes it in a good yeah. way. Sometimes then, that's what that's sometimes that's how we like it. And then in the in the <laughs> and then in the Incubus example, yeah, it, the it being the single guitar player innovates new ways of playing the guitar. Yeah, yeah. Like his solos, it's just very different. Kind of even like how these Rush ones are different because he is the only guy. You got to teeter on. You got to lay the harmonic foundation and play the solo. Yeah. Do you think like it, you have to play the guitar in a certain way to like suggest the chord changes Definitely. a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Which means you can't just be like ripping. You have to like be telling a story and yeah. like pointing out the guideposts. Unless you're Van Halen. Yeah, exactly. You can get away with it. You can get away with it because you know, you're just so good. <laughs> it's cool. It's like because there's only one chordal instrument. I feel like it creates like this awesome space in the music and like the actual like sonic fields for the drums to mm-hmm. stick out and he's such a good drummer it's like makes it so much more fun it is true yeah and it's like i was i was reading a cool bill Frizzell interview where he talks about um playing in this trio with paul motion a drummer and who the fuck is the fucking joe joe levano that's his name that's his name yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah he's and i think he's a saxophone player so mm-hmm. their trio is guitar sax and drums and the the interviewer was like oh it probably makes you guys play differently and like bill frizzell was like oh actually when you take out one instrument and have a different setup or instruments all the instruments like sound different right too yeah and i was like that may that's maybe that's why these drums sound so good it's because definitely there's not true yeah this guitar player's fucking sick yeah dude. i mean he's, he's he gets better he's the older i get too. i know he was, I know, he, was I know. My le- he was like my least favorite of the three when people went on guitar yeah. forums when I was a kid, I was like, I don't get it. I yeah, don't get exactly. it. I don't get it. He's not cool like Slash. I know, like, I know. Where's his fucking top hat? I know. <laughs> <laughs> or fucking Buckethead. Where's, but, the, where's yeah. the bucket? Dude, I'm kind of getting into Buckethead. Dude's weird, days. right? Like, yeah, he's got a lot of records, I know. Too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Getty Lee said of uh, Tom Sawyer, uh, the band didn't love the track upon first hearing it, saying, quote, I remember being disappointed in the studio, thinking we really didn't capture the spirit of the song. We thought it was the worst song on the record at the time, but it all came together in the mix. Uh, Sometimes you don't have the objectivity 
to know when you're doing your best work. Right. End quote. I love that. First of all, like coming together in the mix. The fuck does that mean? I know it's it it happens, but and it's so weird because it usually doesn't happen back then like that. Yeah, because back then you were almost recording as if you were mixing because like you only had X amount of tracks. You were like kind of doing it as a full process. And so it's interesting to be like, well, we were recording and we weren't getting it, but then at the mix stage, we figured it out. That's an unusual thing. Yeah. I think for back then in 1981. Yeah. I wonder if it, maybe they just like took during the mix phase or stage two, they kind of just had new taken perspective. a step back. Take yeah. A step of, yeah. You take a step dude, back. Dude. Cause like, I know, and it's like, I'm really lucky that there's a part of me that has known this all along mm-hmm. that like objectivity is, means that like you don't know if something is good or bad. You can just like trust yourself. Right. And it's like, cause like I know so many, so many times I'll like record a song that like, I think is like the shit and nobody in the world will like it. Right. And then people love things that I thought was weird. So right. I just like gave up pretty quickly on like being right. Right. No, I get that. <laughs> about, about I get that. Taste. I get that. So like, that makes sense. But imagine recording a classic song yeah. and being like, nah, I don't, I don't think we did it. I know. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. And it's like, how many years later are we now? 40 Oof, yeah 41 bro. 41 yeah 41 years later and like we're like oh this song fucking yeah rocks. it's fucking slap um so of the brilliant guitar solo uh featured famously in guitar hero of course right this is there's such a guitar hero band i know yeah i know um, i know i know alex leisland said quote i winged it honest i came in did five takes then went off and had a cigarette i'm at my best for the first two takes after that, I overthink everything and I lose the spark. Absolutely. Yeah, let's talk about this a little Absolutely. bit. Because I totally right. agree. Like for me, the first or second take is usually my best. Maybe the third one's really good too. Yeah. And then the quality goes really low. I know. Unless I come back a whole other day or something. Yeah. And like, yeah, I could sit there as a musician and bang out fucking 50 takes if you wanted me to. Like right. that's my job is to play music. It's like not always about always like having the most inspired thing. Right. But it's so much better when you do. Why do you think that is that you don't improve after a certain point? I think it's exactly like you said. You start yeah. analyzing and you stop doing yeah. the musician in you stops doing what musicians do, which is play. Yeah. You exactly. now become an analyst. Yeah. And now you're trying to formulate and plan instead of instead of, you know, improvise and yeah. react. Yeah, things that contain like that initial energy of yes. like creation. And it's like the further you get away from that. It's sort of like making a photocopy. Right. And then you just keep doing. But it's interesting because some musicians seem like they're always able to channel that. I mean, there are those that, yeah. like, you know, when you talk about, like, you know, the triple a, the triple X players yeah. in fucking Nashville. Brent Mason. Yeah, like Brent Mason. Yeah. Like, these guys, can they're going to give you take one and take ten, and everything in between is fucking usable. Yeah, yeah. But – in a band situation, you're not a hired gun. You're not a virtuoso. Yeah, you're trying to capture you're like trying a fresh, to capture new, a specific thing. Yeah. Not necessarily like, this is the Nashville sound, which yeah. has these characteristics. It's more like, this is Rush. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's different. And it's so, it's so important as an engineer and a producer to make sure that you're set up for take one. Because take one might be the one. So yeah. if you don't have the sound right, and but that was the take... They're going to take that take and use it. <laughs> so you have to make sure it's ready to go. You ever listen to, um, or you ever see that uh, terrible Adam Sandler Netflix movie, Sandy Wexler? Oh. Where he plays Jennifer Hudson's like music manager. 
I know this movie, but yeah. I, don't, I can't remember. It's like, there's a really funny thing where he gets her in the studio mm-hmm. and she like does this original song, like perfect performance and they didn't record it. Uh, and he like lies to her and they keep doing it over and over. He's like, that's the best take. That's yeah. the best take. And it makes me think of that. I've definitely yeah. done that. You've, you, you have. Where a, like, you didn't record something yeah. and you're just like, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Do it again. Because like, it's just, there's no point in telling someone that you lost it. Oh yeah. Just it's more. It's better to be positive and be like, I think you got a better it'll one. Fu- in it'll you. fuck them up yeah. too. Like I'd be so pissed if I paid for something. <laughs> because in their head, in their head, they're saying that was the best. Yeah. I can do it. I can't do it any better than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But if someone on the other side's like, "Yo, that was sick. I think you can beat it." In their head, they're like, "Okay, I think I can beat it." It's like, but yeah, that's happened definitely. Yeah, that's, that's why, like, I think, and this is another thing that makes me like a crazy person, including to, like listening to Rush all the time. I never think about recording as like making a record. Right. I think about it as recording. Right. Because it's like you, all you can do is just always try your best and you can't be like attached to like getting the the right outcome. So it's like once you record it, it's done. It's like you don't have to think about it. You just think about the next time right. you record. Right. Yeah. Intense. No, intense. no, I know. It's right though. Intense, dude. Do you ever like do any of the fantasy stuff? kind of like associated with Rush. Like, do you ever play Dungeons and Dragons or like- I didn't do that. Me either. No, because we we were, our our generation was more Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. That's our generation. I'm Jewish too, so I was already in like a real cult. <laughs> a really successful <laughs> right, one, right, I might right, add. Right, right, yeah, right. It's like what, one of the most successful. That's hilarious. A lot of staying power, it, but, but small. In right. some ways, Judaism is like the rush of cults. Right. Yeah. I'm into that. I'm into um, that. Yeah, I never did any like fantasy stuff like that. No. Um, I mean, I was into Lord of the Rings. Me too, which it feels like Rush was probably into yeah, at some yeah. point. That's so cool that they wrote a poem and like put it to music at a farm in Toronto. Love these fucking I stories. I um, So like we mentioned, they're a trio. Really cool. I know. It's hard to get that big of a sound. What would you do like mixing wise to make just things sound bigger? Well, it's hard because when you have a trio, you kind of lose the stereo aspect of having multiple members. Yeah. Like if you have two guitar players or a guy doing stacked guitar parts, you can kind of pan those out and get them out of the way. But when you have a band that's just playing, which is what this is, you know. Well, the drums take up the stereo field. They have to. Yeah, that's kind of your space, you know. But how would you like make like all those big parts? I know the synths are doing a lot of work, but there's still not a lot of tracks. Something to think about. And someone said this to me once. I think this was Billy that said this to me. He was saying that, yeah, like you can, you know, stack a guitar part six times and it'll sound kind of big. But if you just took the one and two and put them on the left and just turn them up, it's going to feel even bigger. Yeah, because it's like we we talk about it a lot, mm-hmm. but a lot of music is about perceived, perceived. Li- listening as yeah. opposed to real things. It's perspective, right. right? Perspective, yeah. So like the perspective, since there's only like these three dudes, but like they bump them up, it just feels massive. And right. and like they're really fucking good. There's no way. That helps too. Yeah, yeah that yeah. always helps. That helps. Man, I got I to gotta end with uh, one of my favorite uses of this song in pop culture it's in like a lot of stuff is like one of those early family guys do you remember those early family guys so goddamn funny dude i think early everything is 
probably great. Maybe except for South Park, they've kind of held on. Yeah, South Park almost like mid period is like my favorite. Yeah, like season like twelve. Like I like when they get start getting into like Randy. Yeah, up to the member berries. <laughs> right, right. That's like my sweet spot. When for Randy South becomes Park. a prime yeah, character, yeah. and some of the later Cartmans like Cass Benita and stuff. Oh, like that. classic. Oh man. But some of these other animation shows were just a little bit more risque than yeah, you remember yeah. them being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, on Family Guy, um, they do some one of their like oh remember the whatever who knows how they set up all their jokes um where chester cheetah the the you know the cheetos mascot yeah yeah he yeah. crushes the line of cheetos and snorts them and is listening to the song <laughs> he like blows down this line and slams his fist on the tail and he goes there's no fucking drummer better than neil Pert." <laughs> <laughs> oh man well you got anything else to say about about old rush no i feel good about it man no yeah well thanks so much y'all for listening to this podcast Please spread the word about the podcast in real life. Tell your friends. Tell all your Dungeons and Dragons, like, uh, part party. I don't exactly. I can't remember. Yeah. We are on Instagram, Patreon. I'll put a link to those in the show notes. We're, we're actually working our, on our Patreon. <laughs> right now. Yeah, we yeah, we'd had a nice little brainstorm about it. it we was, had a board it, meeting. It was pretty cute of us. It was a nice board meeting. Um, please rate and review. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know what songs you want us to do episodes about, too. Thank you so much for listening to this. <laughs>